I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB, broadcasting from the Mac Hike of Flowwood Studios. Uh, today's Wednesday, next hour, we will get to Hump Day Health, natural health news you can use. Is 2023 the year you finally decide to get your health in check? I'm going to look at some some surveys. This is the time, and there's nothing really special about January 1st, except psychologically. Uh, re, you know, it's like a birthday. You got another year, you get a little... You get a little philosophical on where you want to head going forward. Uh, so a lot of people are making some decisions coming into this next year. We're going to have Allison Noe on with us. She was on. She's actually been on the last three shows because last week was a was a rerun of her show. She's a holistic practitioner, uh, big fan of hers, and she was very popular on the show last time. Several people reached out to get her contact information. Well, she's going to be back with me today. We're going to take a look. I told her to put together a list of some things that she would recommend, some tweaks you can make, some small, some big, to uh, reclaiming your health in 2023. This is the year to do it. If you didn't do it last year, tomorrow's the day to do it. If you don't do it today, and if you don't do it this week, next week or next month is the time to do it. January 1st is a psychological day. But, uh, you know, for me personally, I usually set some week in January where I'll do a fast. And I'll tell you, I... I fall off the nutritional train from Thanksgiving through the end of the year, no doubt about it. Uh, so I set a fast, and that's really where I start my year, but I do it every January. Anyway, we'll talk about some health habits, some things that you some things you might know that are kind of common sense, and some things that people just are not aware that is hurting them. You cut these things out, you might be amazed how well how good you feel, and within a relatively short period of time, do not offer yourself up to the medical system, and I bring to you a really, really sad really sad one of these how it started how it's going things if you believe if you want to offer yourself up to the medical establishment in this country just do whatever you want to do don't take any personal responsibility in your health and just wait for them to come out with a pill or a potion to solve your problems i'm telling you that is the fool's path i ran across this this morning i can't even pronounce this guy's name he appears to be a lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars, an NFL player, as we're talking about uh, the Bills player who collapsed on the field. Not encouraging news I'm seeing about him. But uh, this was a tweet sent out last September. It's, it's Oche Nuaneri. I'm just going to say it that way. I don't know. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but he's a lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars, on September 1st of last year, he tweeted this out. Okay, so let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running at ASAP. 
We're seeing children die, all caps, daily from the unvaccinated selfishness. Pregnant women at risk, too. Protect life. Mandate the vaccine. Jail anyone who refuses to protect life. This was his tweet on September 1st of 2021. A tweet went out from WFLA News on January 2nd of this year. It says, rest in peace. Former Jaguars player, UK Nuwanari, dies at 38. And apparently he collapsed at his wife's home and died suddenly. Don't put your health, don't put your children's health into the hands of the medical establishment at this point. If you found a good doctor who actually cares about keeping you healthy, uh, hold on to them like grim death. But if you are waiting on Pfizer to solve your problems, holy cow. Man, that is so sad. It's sad that this this football player, this kid, got caught up believing that they loved him, and this was all just about health, that he would go so to extreme to say that anybody who doesn't take the experiment uh, should be put into jail. Sad that they twisted his brain that way, but even sadder that they killed him. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I t- I'm going to tell you, I take that back. We don't know what happened to him. But a 38-year-old athlete dying suddenly again uh, certainly should raise some eyebrows at the very least. All right, on with the show. Uh, quotes of the day today. Thomas Jefferson said, The spirit of resistance to government is so valuable on certain occasions that I wish it to be always kept alive. The spirit of resistance to government is so valuable on certain occasions that I wish it to be always kept alive. Uh, I have explained to you, I am an anti-government show. I hear a lot of people say, a lot of conservatives say, I'm not anti-government, but (laughs) I don't equivocate. Uh, I am anti-government. For the fact that anything needs to exist, it should be so microscopic and so unknown. I read a great piece, I can't remember, uh, I think it was by Lou Rockwell. He says he has a daydream where he doesn't know who the president is and doesn't care. I I agree. Wouldn't it just be great if we didn't know who any politicians were because they didn't play a role in our lives at all? I don't know who appears on soap operas during the day. And the reason I don't know and don't care is because they have absolutely zero effect on my life. That's what politicians should be. Unfortunately, we're in pitched battle every time an election comes up because we know they decide our fate. John Adams said, But a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. The Founding Fathers have been very prescient. They gave us a lot of warnings. We ignored most of them. But that's John Adams saying, Liberty once lost is lost forever. Let's hope that they're wrong about that one. I think we're about to find out. And I love this quote by Ezra Pound. Ezra Pound said, A slave is one who waits for someone to come and free him. A slave is one who waits for someone to come and free him. I think this is appropriate, actually, for the health segment of the show, too. If you're sitting around waiting for technology to catch up and save you, if you want to see that they've got a pill for that, instead of taking control and freeing yourself from the medical system, I think it applies. But also, uh, the context of political saviors. Just wait till 2024, Mike. I'm going to sit on my couch, send out a bunch of tweets. But in 2024, they're going to come in and save us all. It just never happens that way. Uh, i tell you what, I'm going to take a break. And come back. So this Kevin McCarthy stuff, I don't do a whole lot of political theater on this show. But the Kevin McCarthy thing is almost funny to me, and I'll tell you why when we come back. 
there's a lot of people out there who support, particularly probably the listeners to the WIAB station. I would say, while I say I'm anti-government, I certainly think across the station you could probably say we're anti-establishment. I talk about the WGOP radio stations that are very establishment. They'll have the Wickers on and the Thad Cochran's on, and they'll carry the water for uh, just the Republican Party at large. We are more radical than that. I'd say we're anti-establishment. And so watching this this inability from Kevin McCarthy to take the speakership of the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. is interesting to me, but it's interesting to me in a slightly different way than it is to other people. I'll explain that when we come back. Stick around. I know I travel in a bubble. There's no doubt about it. Uh, a lot of people at the WIAB, the people that I know and kind of hang out with, they're anti-establishment people. Uh, I guess I'm drawn to them. I have friends who are Democrat. I don't care what your political beliefs are to be a friend of mine, but I, I do live in a bubble, particularly when politics comes up, and most of the people I know are anti-establishment. Kevin McCarthy is establishment. Now, Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House, and has called Kevin McCarthy his boy many times. Uh, this is another thing about Trump I don't like because it shows he really has no core beliefs. Uh, if he believes Kevin McCarthy is, is saying the right things about him and is uh, somebody who will, will can help Trump in some way, then he's for him. Even if he is establishment, he doesn't care. Trump threw in with the establishment when he needed to and then uh, spoke out against him when they displeased him. There's no there's not core belief there. This is my problem with Donald Trump. Uh, but... Uh, so a lot of the people, uh, it, probably a lot of people listening to WIAB, we don't like the establishment. And Kevin McCarthy is the establishment. So he did not get the speaker's job. Stephen Utroska has been saying this for a period of time now, that he didn't think he had the votes. He's wired in with this House Freedom Caucus up in Washington, D.C. And they did thwart uh, Kevin McCarthy getting the speaker's job. And this is interesting for several different reasons for me. The dyed-in-the-wool Republicans are clutching their pearls now at this brazen upset of the system. Carl Rove, former Bush White House aide and Fox News contributor. You boomers. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so, that sounds so derogative. <clears throat> There's so many good people out there that are every generation that are awake to this stuff, but I just don't know who's keeping Fox News alive at this point. Any mainstream media. Don't, don't get me wrong. Any mainstream media, I just can't believe that they are still standing. We're as bad as they are, but just I have a special pet peeve with Fox because it duped so many people for so long. Uh, but people are apparently still interested in what Karl Rove has to say. This is, of course, one of the architects of the Bush administration. Karl Rove, former Bush White House aide and Fox News contributor, broke down why he believes the voting for the House Speaker is unlikely to stop anytime soon, calling the GOP's failure to elect Kevin McCarthy, quote, an un utter unmitigated disaster. It's another 9-11. And they are blaming the House Freedom Caucus, some of the only true conservative members of Congress. You know, we did spend four years chanting to Donald Trump, drain the swamp. Kevin McCarthy is the swamp. The House Freedom Caucus are the people trying to change that. But here is what is really funny. 
to me as an observer and as a libertarian guy and watching the midterm elections, uh, the, these, the Republicans now are saying that the House Freedom Caucus is on the side of the Democrats. Does this ring any bells? See, because I listened to a coordinated effort across the Republican landscape, I will say including my own radio station here <laughs> with Dennis Prager and I've broken down all these Republicans that within a two to three week period came out and blamed the libertarians for all of the election losses. Uh, they, they accused libertarians of helping the Democrats. Now the Republican Party is accusing conservative Republicans of helping the Democrats. Here is what uh, this Dan Crenshaw creature who supports Kevin McCarthy. And I have not gotten to the bottom of why Marjorie Taylor Greene has thrown her lot in with McCarthy either. That, I got to tell you, that's a tad concerning. I've, I've appreciated a lot of Marjorie Taylor Greene, but uh, it, it should cause alarms. It feels a little uh, wish-washy to me. But this is this Dan Crenshaw character. He says, about the House Freedom Caucus, the members that are trying to stop this business as usual in Washington, D.C., Dan Crenshaw said, quote, they are enemies now. They have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda than a Republican. This is exactly the same tact for all of you anti-establishment Republicans out there. You are getting the same treatment the Libertarians got just a few weeks ago. I didn't realize it could happen this fast, but hopefully the proximity of these two charges uh, makes it easier for you to see. Now, the people who like real conservatives, real limited government, upset the apple cart, drain the swamp types, if you like those tops, those type of people, now you know how libertarians felt. Because <laughs> libertarians aren't out there trying to help Democrats. L libertarians that have run in office, run uh, for office around, are doing the same thing that the House Freedom Caucus is doing right now. They're saying, look, you're giving us these people that are not going to do what needs to be done. They're not going to restrain government. They're not going to stop the spending. They're not going to stop cutting backroom deals with Democrats. And so a libertarian dares to run and the Republicans castigate them. You're just helping the Democrats. Well, now the Republicans are coming and eating their own. Because the uh, Freedom Caucus dares to actually stand up. There's a clip from uh, Chip Roy that's just really fantastic. He just really calls it out. He's uh, He's got some great speeches in front of the House. It was interesting. He, he's sitting in front of a pretty full room as they debate this speakership. And he goes, oh, okay, so now I see what it takes to actually get people in here to debate something. Usually Chip Roy is making his speeches to an empty chamber in what is pretended to be debate in Congress. But it, there's no debate. The deals are already cut uh, in behind closed doors. And they just rubber stamp every legislation. Yesterday, Dana Lash, who I really do like, I think she's got a very, very entertaining show. I listen to Dana Lash every day that I'm anywhere near a radio. And I agree with a ton of things she said, but it was just interesting to me. She said yesterday, the American people are going to be so upset by this challenge to McCarthy. And this failure to install them, this is just a bad look. This, this doesn't give the American people confidence in the Republican agenda, these, these kinds of things. And this was kind of across the board in what is more normie, Republican, red team, blue team talker. Nobody cares. It, only if you are just really entrenched in this, if you make your living interviewing these Congress critters, if that's kind of your world, nobody cares. 
Nobody out here is saying, oh my gosh, what kind of country do I live in today that Kevin McCarthy was not rubber stamped for this thing? So uh, it's, it's very interesting to me. Uh, you know, I had Josiah Baker on yesterday from the Libertarian Party, the Mises Caucus, the people that have taken over the Republican Party. If you want to check that out and listen to what the, the Mises Caucus, what the Libertarian Party is about now, for those of you open to it, uh, you can check out the podcast. It is The Mike Madison Show. But he was like me. He's an escaped neocon Republican. It's pretty much the same path. We both came uh, to just being fed up with the Republicans. And it kind of hit me yesterday. I think it was a kind of a combination of uh, talk about the football with the Buffalo Bills player uh, going down, talking to Josiah. Uh, You true conservatives out there, the ones who believe in the principles of the Constitution and limited government, those things, you have no political home in the Republican Party and, of course, not the Democratic Party. You have no home, not even with Donald Trump, really. He's not a freedom. I mean, for all of the things that people might appreciate, and Trump did some good things. I'm not, I've never said that he didn't do anything good. But he's not a freedom and limited government guy. He's a big government, big spending, debt, world empire guy. So for the real constitutional conservatives out there, this is probably kind of the appeal to look at something different. You have no home in the Republican Party at large. Now, there are people in there trying to fight against the system, but the system is attempting to... The the reason the House Freedom Caucus is finally standing up is because the system created by the Republican Party, and and the same thing happens on the Democratic side of things. The, The leadership, the establishment of these parties, chews up and spits out, strips them of power, anybody who wants to come and upset the apple cart. And the House Freedom Caucus has said, we want positions. We want our voices heard. We want actual debates. We want real votes. We want bills we can read. We want, you know, things that are common sense you would want your government to do. At the very least, I want the government to do nothing. But if you are somebody who accepts that we must have a federal government that actually decides all these things, what the Freedom Caucus is asking for is really what what Congress did not that long ago, and they just stopped doing. But the establishment in these parties uh, tries to it's the same establishment that goes out there. And when Michael Guest is is running in a primary and uh oh, he has to head to a runoff, the establishment floods him with money to put down any challengers to the system. So if you are a true limited government constitutional conservative, you have no home in the Republican Party. It's not there. And it reminds me kind of. Like you're a talented athlete stuck on the bench year after year after year. How many years do you ride the pine before you realize they don't want you? They are not going to use you. You do not figure into their game time scheme. That is the true limited government constitutional conservative. And as we have seen with the transfer portal in college football now or at the NFL, A very talented player will take his talents elsewhere very quickly. They need to get film. They need to to be out on the field. They don't practice for 10 years, two-a-days in the heat, uh, to ride the pine. That's the constitutional conservative right now in the Republican Party. Maybe that changes. This is the debate between Stephen Utroska and I. If you can reform the Republican Party, I hope you can. It's the path of least resistance to getting our country back. I just don't see it. Now we're going to see. This, so this interest—it's this this thing with Kevin McCarthy is interesting, just because uh, 
this is the same treatment in the House Freedom Caucus. True conservatives, the the real conservatives in Congress, are getting the libertarian treatment right now. <laughs> you guys are screwing everything up and helping the Democrats. It's the exact same talking points. This is what happens when you go against the machine. Now, here is something almost really funny, and then I'm going to get into some economic stuff because I've got a clip. I've got a clip about car payments. I've just got to play. I had it yesterday. i got to get to it today. But here is something else really funny. During the midterms, I remember when Republicans and Trump supporters attacked libertarians because, and particularly in Georgia and some other races around the country, a libertarian candidate would run in a race, and they might get 1% to 2% of the vote. And Republicans came out and said, look, you're spoiling elections. You're, you're tossing it to the Democrat side. And the Republican Party came out. They sent their talking points out to Alex Jones and uh, Dennis Prager. Uh, what's it? Ben Shapiro. Several of them. They, they sent their talking points out. Go out and warn everybody about these, these libertarians. Uh, and so everybody castigated the, the libertarians for peeling off 1% or 2%. And the, the flaw in that, of course, is assuming that every vote that's cast for a libertarian would have been a Republican vote. As I've told you before, if you don't give me somebody to vote for like a libertarian or a constitution party or somebody like that, I'm not going to the polls. So if Roger Wicker's in an election and he happened to lose by a vote and it was my vote cast for the libertarian that might have cost Roger, it, understand, I was never going to vote for Roger Wicker anyway. But they make this flawed assumption that every libertarian vote was going to be a vote for a Republican. Many people will not get off the couch for rank-and-file establishment Republicans, myself included. So those votes for libertarians are just actual new votes that wouldn't have been cast in the first place. But let's just, you know, the Republican talking point is every libertarian vote is peeled away from a Republican and it helps the Democrats. Here's what's interesting. Donald Trump is considering running as an independent. Now, this is fascinating to me for a myriad uh, of reasons, but uh, let, me, let me pull this story up. Former President Trump last week hinted that he'll, hand, uh, he'll hand, hand grenade the 2024 presidential election for Republicans by running as a third-party candidate. Trump shared an American Greatness article by Dan Geltmer, who suggests that the establishment Republicans would do everything in their power to prevent Trump from winning again and that voters... Uh, uh, like himself, would rather vote for Trump on a third-party ticket, even if it means losing the election. Quote, they'd rather lose an election to the Democrats, uh, their brothers in crime, than win with Trump. And so this, this is the interesting thing. You want to talk about peeling some votes away from Republicans. It'll be interesting to see the Trump supporters who blamed libertarians for pulling away 1% or 2%. If Donald Trump goes independent, he will pull 20 or 30% away from Republicans. There are 30 million people in this country that are just waiting. They wake up every day with a calendar and they mark off a day till they can cast another vote for Donald Trump. They are true believers, true fans. I'll be interested to see when that time comes, should it occur, are you going to say to yourself, oh, my gosh, we just tossed an election to the Democrats. I have told you, Donald Trump is going to end up splitting the Republican Party. Is it a plan? I don't know. I'm kind of working on that theory all alone in my little dark corner of talk radio that he is part of a grand plan to split apart the only resistance left in this country to complete tyranny and World Economic Forum stuff, and that is the conservative 
You're going to split them apart into two parts uh, so that they lose elections for the next 25 years. So the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset can go on unabated. But uh, should Donald Trump run as a third party candidate, the Republican Party, the conservatives, you're done. You are you will not have any power at the federal government level for 25 years. And it's just funny to me. Funny to me, uh, libertarians got accused because they peeled 1% away from one vote, and it was all hands on deck by the Republican Party. We'll, we'll see how it happens. It's just kind of an interesting thing. I'll get into some economic news when we get back. you got to hear this clip about car payments. Maybe this isn't surprising to everybody else. It shocked the hell out of me. Be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Let me just say this. I mean, you know, uh, I, I can, I'm certainly pessimistic about things. I'm just sick of the political class. People talk about how I get angry and these kinds of things. I, I've got kids. I, I, I hate to see this country taken down the toilet. Uh, this fight for Speaker of the House, this is a, <coughs> excuse me, this is a, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. You need some chaos. I mean, if you the funny thing is, is so many people say we need to change Washington. They're all corrupt. You know, everybody's got their, their we're all dissatisfied with the political class. But then they the Republicans come out and try to tell you, oh, we can't do this. We need to stick with what we've been doing before. The fact we're not sticking, the fact that this is the first time I guess there's been a contested uh, House uh, speakership problem like this 100 years ago. I think that's a great sign. That's a white pill moment. That maybe some things are going to change. At least they're going to attempt to do it. I hope they're successful. I am for the House Freedom Caucus. If you listen to this show, freedom's a big part of it. Uh, these people are sick of the endless budgets with no debate, no amendments, no nothing. They are standing up to the machine. Don't let the Republicans scare you and tell you that this is just a disaster and chaos. Uh, let's let's play this clip real quick, and then I'm going to move on. But... Uh, Judge Napolitano put out a very short uh, thing about this, and he played Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich, another Fox News contributor. The choice is Kevin McCarthy or chaos. Well, the choice is Republican in name only. Republican, just a fancy, crazy, funky way of spelling Democrat. Or serious Republicans who really believe in limited government and maximum individual liberty, but won't keep voting to add trillions to the debt limit. Newt. I love you, uh, but you're not the same Newt that kicked the establishment Republicans out in the Clinton years. You're now an establishment Republican yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is what Newt Gingrich is. Newt Gingrich is just another one of them. I think he's a hero to a lot of people. Contract with America was interesting. McCarthy's tried to resuscitate it with the commitment to America. Uh, lack of originality really does bother me. But um, anyway, don't let him scare you with this idea of chaos. Uh, anything that can paralyze Washington, D.C. from doing anything is always a good thing. Gridlock, I don't care what it is. The less these people do, the better. Uh, I wanted to get into some of this financial stuff. 2023 certainly going to be an interesting year. Um, well, let me get my notes because this, this is actually from yesterday. Um, they're, they are telling us, and there's a lot of people, there are so many people pessimistic about 2023 in terms of a recession. They They completely ignored... <laughs> Uh, the recession of 2022 was like ivermectin. They just pretended it didn't exist. 
And if you talked about it, you were a conspiracy theorist. We had two quarters of negative growth, which is the technical definition of recession. They just pretended it didn't happen and started saying uh, next year, maybe. Well, they're calling for it this year. Uh, last year's stock market returns is the FT, that's the Financial Times, reports a traditional portfolio consisting of 60% U.S. stocks and 40% U.S. bonds will have seen its worst performance since 1932. This is last year when the U.S. was in the midst of the Great Depression. But seriously, Joe Biden told us there's no recession. Everything's going great. We're bouncing back. The worst uh, stock bond portfolio performance since 1932 as U.S. bonds... Uh, Returns are suffering their worst stretch in over a century. U.S. equity and bond markets lost a combined $17.4 trillion in 2022 uh, at their October lows. And while the Dow only fell 9% in 2022, NASDAQ plunged over 33%, the worst year for U.S. stocks since 2008 in percentage terms. Again, they told you, nothing to see here. Everything's going great. Over $7 trillion in stock market cap has been erased from the NASDAQ 100. While the NASDAQ 100's drop was bigger in 2008, down 41.9%, it was only down about $1 trillion in 2008, though. Just think about that. The dollars lost in the NASDAQ slump of 2022 was seven times higher than it was uh, in 2008. Of course, these are inflationary dollars, so there is a sliding scale there. Uh, but very interesting. I ran across this on Market Watch. <laughs> the headline is Best Stock Picks for 2023. Here are Wall Street Analyst Most Heavily Favored Choices. So uh, if you're looking to <laughs> any of these people, uh, as they say, Wall Street Analysts, the sharpest minds on Wall Street predicted the S&P for 2022. Let me tell you how Wall Street's record on advising you investors out there on what to do with your money. Goldman Sachs last year said that the S&P would end at 5,100. Wells Fargo said 5,200. J.P. Morgan said 5,050 on the S&P. Where did the S&P actually end? 3,850. What is that? About 25% lower than the, every one of those Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan. Uh, they weren't alone. Bank of America, Citigroup, they all predicted this 5,000 on the S&P. They missed it by about 25%. Now they're hawking to tell you. Uh, here's what the Wall Street analysts are predicting for this year. Um, I've explained to you that the reason that these big banks do that is because their goal is not to give you accurate information. It's to keep you in the market so you keep paying fees. Goldman Sachs particularly likes to sell crap get people to go into the market to buy junk that they know is junk so they can get it off their sheets. But I wanted to um I wanted to get into this clip. And maybe this is not surprising to anybody else. I've been shocked at what's happened to car prices. Go out and look at a pickup truck. I, I haven't needed I've I'm an SUV guy as opposed to a pickup truck guy, but it's just been amazing to me that it has become normalized. I've talked about it for a couple of years now. It's become normalized for someone to go out and buy a, a Chevy pickup truck for $85,000. And, and I just don't think that's normal, yet everybody just goes out and does it. Uh, this was a clip. This was a clip about car payments. Again, maybe this isn't surprising to other people because I don't travel in this world of buying $85,000 just runaround vehicles. Now, I've always had my eye on a Porsche 911. Uh, Lotus has got a beautiful new sports car, and it's only about eighty grand, something like that. Now, that's a lot of money. I'm probably not ever going to spend that kind of money on a car, but it's kind of a dream car type thing. This Lotus, I think it's Emirati or Amiri, something like that. 
It's a beautiful car, and it's kind of entry-level when it comes to supercars. And it's supposed to be a nice car, so I have my designs, my dreams about these kinds of cars. But for an everyday, just got to get to and from work, take the kids to soccer practice car, paying $85,000 to me is just a wackadoodle. This was a clip somebody sent out where they were uh, interviewing people. What is your car payment? And, and you know, again... This is a consequence of central banks and all this other stuff convincing us that we need to take on massive amounts of debt because that serves the system. So many people out there were just debt slaves for the things that we accumulate. Some of the things are completely even unnecessary, but, you know, housing prices, you got to get a bigger house. You, you can't stay in that, that house that was perfectly fine for families in the 70s and 80s. I think I was raised in an 1,800-square-foot house. By the time I got to be an adult, you had to have 2,500. I ended up in a 3,000-square-foot house. I didn't even use two or three rooms in the dang place. Uh, but we've been sold this debt thing. But is this real? Listen to these, these car payment figures. Hey, sir, what is your car payment? Uh, mine is thirteen twenty-five. And what kind of vehicle is that? It's a 22 Ford Raptor. Okay. You have another payment? I do, actually. My wife's hers is 1000 it's a 22 Ford Expedition. Uh, wait, what? The guy's got $2,300 a year in car payments for a pickup truck and a Ford Expedition? Hey, ma'am. What is your car payment? $1,386. And what kind of car requires a $1,386 payment? A 2022 Grand Wagoneer Series 3. Perfect. What? <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm I'm coming across maybe as an old guy out of touch. I just, I don't live in this world. I would just never, I, 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 I can't even imagine. That's a, I'm a Jeep guy. I've had three Jeep Wranglers and three, I believe, three Grand Cherokees. I do like Jeeps. I, I really, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, the some of the bigger SUV Jeep things. I, I like the Grand Cherokee. I think it's a good size. Anyway, it doesn't matter what I like. I'm a Jeep guy. Is it true now that to get a new Jeep, one of the top-end Jeeps, thirteen twenty-six a monthly payment on a new Jeep? Hey, sir, what is your car payment? I got a couple of them, but the first one's fourteen forty-five. What kind of car is that? It's a new GMC Sierra 2500 Denali. A pickup truck. A Pickup truck, $1,445 a month. What is your insurance on these things? What's the other one? Uh, it's a wide body CTSV. That's eleven sixty one. Nice payment. Hey, sir, what is your car payment? <laughs> Bro, what's your car payment? And what kind of car are you driving? And this guy's got his payment book out, so I'm led to believe that these are real numbers here. And the interesting thing is, this clip appears to be taken at a car dealership. They're interviewing people who work at a car dealership, so I'm not really sure what the intention of this was. I was talking about high payments. Look at that number right there. One thousand one. Excuse me. One thousand five hundred and sixteen dollars. That's his car payment on a monthly basis. My car payment. Dang! 2021 wide body Hellcat Charger. 
Holy cow. And as I say, again, maybe this is really loser radio to everybody out there who has just already embraced the idea that, yes, you just have a second and third house payment for a vehicle to get to and from work. But I was absolutely stunned by those numbers. $2,500 a month for two cars? Look, we have been sold a bill of goods. This cannot be sustainable. Uh, there's already, I've talked about it, there's some interesting people out there in the business already talking about the repo business and trends in that. Uh, I talked the other day about the most amazing thing I've seen, which is this idea that car dealerships, uh, there's so many people upside down in their cars, and cars that are several years old, they're starting to break down. And so car dealerships are going to just start making loans on new cars, pretending the old loan doesn't exist because they know that the borrower will maintain their new loan and they'll let the last bank, who the sucker bank, who loaned them money on that old car, they'll just let them default on that one, which could open up all kinds of chaos. It's going to be basically banks and lending institutions just trying to see if they can screw more people than get screwed by other people. If you understand what I'm saying, I don't have time to get into it, but it's that's a horrible development when it comes to the credit markets but it's a wild world we live in i gotta tell you uh that floored me fifteen hundred sixteen dollars a month for a car payment that's insane you can't stop us now no matter how hard you try you can't stop us now You know, a lot of listeners to this show, probably to this station, um, to my podcast, are freedom lovers. They're people who really do care about freedom. I think the one thing that's really not connected enough is this consumer debt, those car payments I'm just paying, $1,500 for a truck. <clears throat> this is a freedom issue. It, it's not just a your financial house uh and don't take personal financial. My son the other day told me there was something he admired about me. It's always great when your kids get older and they start actually <laughs> kind of, I don't know, re- you know, applauding you for some parental decisions or something, some effect you've had on them, you know, after being teenagers and young kids where they didn't want to hear anything from you and they disagreed with everything you said. And, you know, my son said one thing that he admired about me was that I went and did things that I love to do. And I was actually kind of, I didn't know what to tell him because sometimes that has not worked out well for me. I'm not somebody who just follows my passion, but I've, you know, I've had businesses that have been successful, sold them, taken that money, and plopped them into something else I was excited about that failed. And I have had some rough financial times, so I didn't really know whether to encourage him to down that path or not. But I've been happy in my life, and I've controlled my time. There have been a lot of benefits to it. But this issue of consumer debt, of tying yourself to huge amounts of debt, stretching to get that house, and and here's where I'll tie this, where where I believe it becomes important to society at large. When you make yourself really vulnerable, how many people did we see during this SHOT program? This was an experimental genetic therapy. And how many people were forced into do, to a decision to do something they did not want to do medically because what was going on in their heads was, if I don't do this, I lose my job. If I lose my job, I lose my house, I lose my cars, I lose everything because I can't make the payments. And so people had to make decisions, life or death decisions, f- decisions about their own personal freedom and their, and their health based on a car payment. 
based on a house payment because they got that better house. They, they moved up in house when interest rates were low. And so this becomes really a freedom issue. I'm not sure, because you can imagine, the people in charge know this. They know how stretched we are. They know that police officers, they know that police officers are in debt like everybody else, so they're not going to go against unconstitutional. They'll go arrest a pastor if they need to during COVID because that, that cop's got a couple of car payments. Can't afford to lose that job. They know that doctor comes out with all these student loans and he's moved into the swanky new neighborhood. He's got all these payments now. He's got his beach house, too. Uh, they know they can get them to violate their oath to do no harm because they can't afford to lose that job as a, as a successful doctor. This consumer debt is, becomes a freedom issue. And you can only imagine, the more they tighten the screws and demand us to do things that we would not normally do, but we have to think in our heads, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose everything that I've got because it's all leveraged if I don't go along. This large consumer debt, it's a freedom issue. You might consider that going into the new year. Be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB here in the Mack Hike of Flowwood Studios, and it is Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we focus in on health issues where I try to empower people, tell you to take a few breadcrumbs, start doing your own research, take control of your own health. And we here we are at a new year, this psychological landmark for everybody where we start making decisions. What are we going to do for 2023? Uh, there's always polls out that say what the top New Year's resolutions are. New Year's resolutions, eh, you know. How about was about a 98% failure rate when it comes to the year? We get very energized. But uh, when it comes to your health, uh, I always say it doesn't matter if it's January 1st, January 15th, or June 12th. It doesn't really matter. Uh, any day you can decide that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and start making just little moves. And I think they're self-reinforcing. When you make some better habits, when you take some things out, add some things in, you'll start feeling better. It will empower you to take the next step, and at least that's how it worked for me. So uh, we're going to do a little bit today on some tips for this year, some of them easy, probably some of them more complicated. But we've got with us Allison Noe. Uh, she is with Whole Story Health. She was with me. Allison, you've actually been on three weeks in a row. I don't think you know that, but <laughs> you came in one week, and then we replayed that show the next week, and then you're back this week. So you're my first three-peat hat trick guest so love uh, it also got a ton of feedback a lot of people wanted your contact information so uh allison does holistic stuff tell us just real quickly kind of what you do with people yeah so i work with primarily women um and help them apply some holistic lifestyle interventions so that they can go from just barely surviving back to thriving because we just we live in a world that sets us up to feel like crap, yes. and um, medical intervention seems to further that. And so it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Uh, we can feel really, really well up until the Lord takes us home if 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 we know what to do. And the sad thing is, most people just have no idea what to do. All the health and fitness, you know, advice out there is probably backed Terrible. by yeah, it's probably backed by food, uh, you know, and big pharma. So yeah, right. <laughs> um, there's a lot of weeding through the information that has to take place but yeah just just like you i just want to help people feel better yeah i'm telling you i am a uh at the end of every year i'm in uh i'm reminded of what i think a lot of people feel like 
eating the standard American diet because I do, <clears throat> as I say, I let my freak flag fly at the end of every year <laughs> uh, between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And then in January, I fast. I get myself back together. So, I, But I've got about six weeks a year. Man, my back hurts. I'm kind of groggy. The first couple of times I ate kind of junk food type stuff. I was really struggling mentally. Even on the show, I had a couple of terrible shows. I didn't even want to put them on podcast because I was like, oh, my God, that was a train wreck. <laughs> it's because I couldn't get my brain in gear. So I'm reminded of what probably most people feel like, uh, particularly my joints. You know, I get yeah. I get stiff. I can tell I'm not as flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Uh, but the beautiful thing is if you're armed with the information, I can do what I've done to myself over the last six weeks, and now I can fix it. Right. And I'll be right back to where I want to be in two weeks, and I'll spend the rest of the year feeling absolutely fantastic. Right. So that's what we try to do here. Um, I've got a couple of quotes, and I want to get into one before we get into these tips. Uh, Zuby, who is a – I think he's an English rapper, but he's kind of got an interesting Twitter feed, and he does a lot of fitness. He's a very – he's ripped dude, but he's a kind of a conservative commentator at the same time. He sent out a tweet. He said, eating garbage constantly has become so normalized that if you eat whole food, nutritious foods, people assume you're on a diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that really is true, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and we can see that in restaurants. But here is one that I really wanted to put out. Um, this is a guy's name is uh, Martin Kulladorf. You ever heard of this guy? I don't think so. Now, I, I, he may be an MD. I should have had this tweet ready, and I could have looked at his bio on there. But here's what he tweeted out. He said, trust in medicine is broken. The culprits, a vocal minority of MDs who got the pandemic wrong, promoting school closures and other lockdowns, not protecting high-risk elderly, denying natural immunity, pushing mask and vaccine mandates, and censoring or slandering opponents. He starts this out by saying trust in medicine is broken. Now, he's not wrong about any of these things. We saw really the medical community do a really strange thing Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. Things that they, you know, in 2019, if you'd ask a doctor, should I wear a mask all through flu season? They would have looked at you and said, oh, my God, no. No, it's not going to do you any good and it's bad for you. And then suddenly they flipped. So we saw all this. The thing that and I'm seeing this a lot and that people say, well, I'm looking at what took place during COVID and I've really lost faith in some of these institutions. My opinion, this is long overdue. Mm -hmm. Trust in medicine and supposedly science should have been broken a long time ago Um, because this guy leaves out a lot of things prior to COVID. And I've been on the air for six years now. A couple of days ago was my anniversary. And I've been talking about CDC and FDA. When you look at prior to COVID, prior to COVID, doctors were not treating disease. They were treating symptoms Mm -hmm. of disease for decades now and that's what the pharmaceutical model is it's about whatever is breaking down in your body however it manifests as a symptom they give you a pill for that symptom they do not fix the underlying cause as somebody who's in holistic treatment like you are Mm -hmm. that's what you do is try to fix the cause of it um doctors have been drug pushers Mm -hmm. now for decades and decades almost 100 years really but particularly in the last 30 to 40 years uh, they have been chemical drug pushers not health advocates they've been wrong about and this is like all again as i say i, I just want to while people's eyes are open to what the medical establishment did during covid understand that before that happened they were wrong about cholesterol they were wrong about low fat they were wrong about sun exposure they've been wrong about re- immediately reducing a fever we talked about that last time you mm-hmm. were on the show i mean this is long overdue that people lose their faith in the medical system. I guess it's better late than never. I hate that we had to go through what we've gone through for this to wake people up, but this is a long time coming. Yeah, it's interesting. I just before, I mean, probably the two years prior to COVID, 
started waking up yeah. and realizing that they are not able to help. They're not trained in helping uh, an individual heal from chronic disease. Right. Again, you know, I think we both said this. If you break your arm, we're not the people to come to. Right. Um, they are. But in these acute um, bouts of, of needing medical intervention, great, top notch. But um, they, they aren't where we need to go to pursue wellness and true health. Right. And, and reverse disease and rather reverse, than treat disease. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, the cancer. The cancer model, it's a joke. Yes. And I say this all the time. There's so much blood on their hands. I mean, they, their end goal is, has been what? It's not to heal cancer patients. No. I mean, look at the charts of just every chronic disease over the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. It is just a rocket ship up on mm-hmm. just about everything. I really wonder if it, I, I keep saying 50 years. I'm beginning to wonder if that's too optimistic. At some point, we're going to look at chemotherapy particularly chemotherapy, mm-hmm. probably some radiation too, but chemotherapy, at some point we're going to look at that and go, oh my God, we did what? Yeah. We poisoned the entire body to try to kill this cancer, destroyed the immu- the innate immune function that could be so important in fighting cancers. You know, now they're starting to work with some immunotherapies and they're tweaking this stuff. But I think the chemotherapy model, at some point they're going to go, oh my God, I, can't. I mean, that is like what we would look back in medieval times of you know, a, a lobotomy for a headache. Or yes, something. yes. I, I was just thinking that actually. I was picturing that in my head. Um, and and in the meantime, while putting someone through chemotherapy, well, you need to eat. Make sure that you're drinking the sugar-filled Pedialyte, right. which feeds, feeds cancer, cancer. Yeah. Um, and destroys good cells. Yeah. So uh, I, I heard mean, somebody the other day talking about. Um, going into the hospital for something i can't remember if they were talking to a friend of theirs but they were saying look when you get to the hospital you need to either take some food or have your friends mm-hmm. bring in some food for you you're going to need good nutrition to help fight in this battle against whatever it was and he said do not eat the hospital food yep it is a travesty you know I, interestingly i work with a lot of nurses i have a lot of nurses as clients and we are having to reprogram the way they think about their food on shift they have to bring their own food and sometimes that's not a great option because they don't have places to put it they rarely have time to eat it's get to the cafeteria when you can and you look around at hospital staff they are not well they are not um from doctors yeah yeah from uh, the doctors on down yeah yeah they are not well and uh the couple years before my grandfather passed he was in the hospital a ton and i remember my grandmother struggling with the food because there were no good options and they've got the top nutritionists you know they've hired the nutritionists right out of the colleges that have taught them all this stuff and they give sick people bad nutritionally bereft food yeah yeah the patients Yes. yes the patients um yeah, you see it all the time. It's it's the worst of the worst. So it, something needs to be done in hospitals and schools. It's just it's so sad to me. You would think that, yeah, you would think that uh, th- there would be a hospital that would like open up and uh, advertise that we we're going to fix you and set you know fix the underlying cause. And when you're here, man, we're going to load you up with some great nutrition. I don't care, green smoothies yeah. or something like that. You would think that they would someone who would do that. I, I wonder if they're dollars don't get compromised you know if if they were to step out and say we're going to do a different model they would miss out on a lot of money yeah well it it is a it's a perpetual motion machine Mm -hmm. it feeds itself 
um, <clears throat> pun intended, I guess, uh, you know, you give people bad food, they get sick, you treat the sickness. While you're treating the sickness, you give them more mm-hmm. bad food. I mean, it's it's horrible. Here's some good news, though. Let's do some good news here. I <laughs> uh, found a message from Jesse Livermore. He said, surprised to see the McDonald's has no real organic sales growth over the last 15 years. Actually, they are down 2.24% annualized. This was actually a financial thing, but despite stock returning more than five times in real terms, can confirm in 10K nominal uh, organic sales growth roughly zero since 2008. Thus, real growth is actually negative because of in, uh, inflation. So that's good news. Yeah. You know, I think that maybe people are starting to stop going to these things. I mean, not in any meaningful way yet, but at least they're not still growing. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I'm. When I see someone drinking a Mountain Dew or going through, I mean, people I know are going through a McDonald's drive-through or smoking a cigarette, I have the same reaction. Like people still do that. Yeah, and <laughs> and no no judgment, but y'all. I mean, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> it, it's hard, you know, but you, uh, people who take their health seriously, we find a way. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing that I try to tell people all the time, too, and when we come back, we're going to start getting into some tips on the new year. I'm not ever unhappy. You know, it's not like right. when, when I had a 12-pack-a-day Mountain Dew habit. My father used to give me cases of Mountain Dew. It was like one of my Christmas gifts. Oh I drank gosh. This was when I was in the nightclub business. I did not do cocaine. I've never tried cocaine. That <laughs> <laughs> probably might have been better for me. Um, <laughs> but I was drinking just a ton of Mountain Dew. I've given that up. I've given up the stops in the fast food places. It, it doesn't affect my life at all. You I'm not unhappy. It. I know. I'm not like driving by and going, oh, man, I wish I, I don't deny myself anything. I've just replaced it with better stuff yeah I, I remember when I was a chronic dieter and I would I would feel like I was missing out oh I can't wait until this week is over and yeah. I can get a cheeseburger and now I mean I can't tell you the last time I had fast food because it makes me feel terrible yes. I have a two-day hangover from it yeah it's and I, I still very much enjoy food. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, there's, a, there's a paradigm shift that happens once your body is able to start giving you proper signals to, to what's going on, and you can receive that information with clarity. It, it almost makes decision-making, you know, takes that away from you. Yes, we're going to talk about exactly that. That's perfect segue. Denial diets, um, the idea of uh, relying on willpower mm-hmm. uh, and just saying, I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z without giving your body the ability to not even want it. Right. It's a disaster. Yeah. It never works. It's not sustainable. You have to set up your eating to where you naturally move away from these things. Yeah. So uh, there, I think there's great strategies to do that. And with a new year, I know a lot of people, I, I can't believe I had a, I had a, uh, a poll that was done it was like everybody's new year's resolutions the first four of the ten i believe were all health yeah you know it was all i'm going to exercise more i'm going to change my diet i'm going to feel but it was a to top four and that really says something in a world where we all want more money where we want more success mm-hmm. where we want more love the top four were about health yeah and i think that just screams to the fact that most people realize oh my god i've got to do something mm-hmm. well we'll give you some tips when we come back we're talking to allison noe and we'll take a look at uh, what we're looking at in the new year here stick around we'll be right back All 
right, we are back. This is Hump Day Health, natural health news you can use, Mike Madison Show. We're talking to Allison Noe. So let's start maybe just kind of batting some uh, some things around. So I'm sure you deal with a lot of clients trying to get their health back. You're entrenched in this, you know, using nutrition and things like that to make you feel better. So we're going to just get into some tips. Um and, and we'll have many of them. I think some of I kind of look at my list, and you and I haven't even talked about them. There's some that are easy and some that are, you know, more difficult, require more commitment. So let's just hit them all. And I swear, if people will just take a few of these things, mm-hmm. they'll have this incremental benefit over the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, oh, my gosh. And then they'll maybe say, well, I'm going to get into this. I mean, I think that that's the, the beautiful thing about health is that it's self-reinforcing if people really you know, dedicate themselves to doing it. So what kind of things do you recommend to people when they're starting, you know, new year now, but even when you work with a client, you get a lot of people that come to you and they just say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. What do I need to change? Yeah. So um, something that a lot of people suffer from is uh, chronic fatigue and poor sleep. Yes. And if I can teach anyone anything in my life is a good night's sleep starts first thing in the morning. So, um, in the morning, get out and get about 10 minutes of sunlight, um, sun exposure to your eyes. So leave your sunglasses off. I was going over some stuff with my mom yesterday and she said, well, what about my reading glasses? And I was like, uh, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. So sunglasses are a no go. Take your sunglasses off. Um, I'm still not sure about actual glasses. If you don't need them to walk around, maybe, maybe flip them up on top of your yeah. head. Um, and then it says just for the sun to kind of trigger your circadian rhythms mm-hmm. to say it is now daytime. This is when we're active. This is what we do. And it starts you early. I mean, is that yeah. kind of the thinking? Yeah. So um, our bodies were made to receive messages from the sun to, to start all these physiological processes. So as the sun comes in through your eyes, um, there are all these uh, receptors. It starts all these cellular clocks, if you will. So it'll start releasing adrenaline cortisol, all these things that make us awake and alert throughout the day, but it also sets that clock for melatonin release. So you need to get that in the morning. So that clock is set. So in the evening, as it's time to wind down and get a good night's sleep, you're getting that proper release. Um, But what we see is a lot of people have a delayed release of melatonin um, and a delayed release of cortisol. So they're getting hits of cortisol at night and they're not getting that melatonin until maybe early hours in the morning, and it's almost time to wake up. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I was thinking about that. Probably a lot of people don't really get out into the sun until probably lunchtime. If that. They, they go to, into their garage, they get into their car, they mm-hmm. pull up to work, they get 10 seconds of walking into a building, they're there till lunch, and then maybe they get out and get into the sun and, and see the sun in earnest at that point. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I think we discussed this last time, but it's really just been in the last 70 to 100 years that we've been inside all day. Right. Um, so any opportunity that you get to have sun exposure to your skin, to your eyes, um, it, it will make a world of difference in your energy levels. Is there a time, so you talk about setting this clock, is it like 12 hours? Is there, so is it important that you know, if you don't leave the house till nine, should you get out at 7 a.m. to just sit in a chair and, you know, whatever for, for 10 minutes or? Like- yeah, so it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to vary from person to person. Um, but I think, so Dr. Huberman, if you're on Instagram, follow the Huberman lab. He's a genius with the circadian rhythm stuff. And he's done a ton of uh, uh, research on this. And I think that his recommendations are um, between seven and nine. 
it's going to be the optimal time. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously some people have to fit it into their work schedule. So uh, what I recommend to a lot of clients that don't have a lot of time in the morning, especially if they have kids to get ready and things are kind of chaotic at the house is get to work 10 minutes early. If it's a safe place, walk around the building for 10 minutes. You know, it doesn't have to be that you get your, you know, Lululemon's on and you're, you know, (laughs) that you like make a thing out of it. Literally 10 minutes, you can sit outside, have some coffee or tea or Uh, my second recommendation is make sure that you're getting 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning. Sleep is very dehydrating. And um, so these two things, sunlight and water uh, first thing in the morning will have a pretty positive impact pretty quickly. Well, and sleep, I'm telling you, it's one of the most underrated things. And I may be the worst to speak about it. I've talked about it on this. I'm just guilty of not paying attention to it. I'm not good with my sleep. I get monkey mind. And for the show, some nights I'm, I don't get home till 10 o'clock at night, and then I'm researching on a laptop for two hours for the show, mm-hmm. and then suddenly I'm trying to go to bed. I'm terrible with that. I'm going to take that piece of advice. Let's take a break here. I think that's a great one. we got many, many more to go over. We're talking to Allison Noe. These are some little hints. I'll throw some out there to you, too. Uh, just start putting so – that, that's a, there. so there's a 10-minute hack right there to get better sleep. And if you get better sleep, a whole lot of other things start fixing themselves, too. For I sure. Mean, a whole lot of things. All right, we'll be right back. Stick around. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB here in the Mac Hike of Flowood Studios. We're doing Hump Day Health, Natural Health News You Can Use, some uh, things you should consider for the first uh, first of the year if you're making some resolutions to get your health in check. Um, uh, I've got a lot of these hours always fly by, so I'm going to try to go a little faster than I probably would be. Um, one thing I think that, um, that people have got to start looking at and and it's always an easy you know easy one to talk about is getting sugar and carbs just really moderating that and what we were talking about earlier i think the recipe for disaster on that for everybody is i'm not going to eat any sugar um you know for a a period of time they're going to deny themselves things without uh doing anything that spawns the cravings Mm -hmm. if people understand that carbs create carb cravings Mm -hmm. Diet sodas create carb cravings, and I am not somebody who can resist endless cravings, as the last six weeks of my life will attest to you. As soon as I start eating a heavier carb stuff, I'm not drinking a bunch of Cokes, or I certainly don't drink diet drinks. But when I start eating carbs, I find myself wanting more carbs. When I'm eating a more high-fat, regular food, real food diet, I don't care about those things. Mm -hmm. And that's the place to get so that you're not ever miserable, you're not ever sad, you're not unhappy, you're not walking. I can walk through a convenience store to get a bottle of water or something like that past all of those chips and all of those candies, and I don't even think about it. It's not like I'm not going to grab that Snickers bar. I really want it, but I'm just not going to do it because I've told myself that doesn't work for me. Eventually, I'm going to go, I've had a tough day or I've had a great day. I deserve a treat. Right. But I don't want that stuff. And to me, and uh, with you looking at hormone stuff, I'll get your opinion on this too. When you eat something where you're getting good healthy fats in your diet, um, which is more kind of a keto lifestyle, but at least eating some good meat and protein with some good animal fats and that kind of stuff, man, that those cravings disappear. Then you don't have to rely on willpower. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to that. 
you know, you've got blood sugar regulation. So if you are constantly spiking your glucose levels to, you know, these horrendous rates and then you have this huge insulin response and you wipe it all out, then your body starts sending these signals to your brain. We need more. Get more. Yeah. And then there's also the dopamine effect. There's the dopamine effect that we get from sugar and Dopamine is where cocaine, you know, yeah, same, lights, lights up our yeah. dopamine receptor. So um, there is that. I mean, sugar is highly addictive. And um, and then there's the uh, hunger and satiation hormone. So you have ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone. And I always, when I think of ghrelin, I think like grr, just to remember it. Like, you know, the Betty White and the Snickers commercials, yeah, <laughs> which right. she's hungry. Um, and, and then leptin. And those uh, leptin is your satiation or your satiety hormone hormone and those can get um, really out of whack if you are constantly eating processed foods um, and and sugary uh, carbohydrates. So when you move towards a more whole foods diet, all of this stuff starts to balance out. So you're not fighting your own physiology. Yeah, It's not, I mean, you're right. I, I remember I used to would walk by a bag of salt and vinegar chips and it was just like every bit of restraint I had. And now I don't even think about it. And I've just, I've, I've worked really hard to get these things balanced out, but it takes a little time and it takes the right nutrition. Yeah. You've got to have it. And and really, but though for most people, if you try to make this transition, you're looking at a couple of days where you ain't gonna feel great, Mm -hmm. you know, and particularly if you just try to slam into it, it is better to try to ease into it. You have to kind of research that to understand, you know, the, the foods to do it now it's easy for me to do but you know if you just today said i'm cutting my carbs i'm not eating any sugar you're gonna have a couple of days where you don't feel great Mm -hmm. and you got to make it through that but on the other side if you know if you are then getting the right foods on the other side you'll find out to me it's the brownie test i love a big fudgy brownie (laughs) i mean always have my entire life if i can look at a brownie and i don't even think about eating it i just see it as this block of whatever it is then I know I'm doing fine yeah. because that is my huge weakness. And I get there as soon as I go on a high-fat diet or if I'm doing carnivore or I'm doing keto, I don't care about those things. They just don't right. register. Right. Yeah. 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 If if you really can shift your mindset to instead of deprivation, what can I do to feel well? Yeah. And, and, and then you have to trust the process. And that can be really difficult for people who have trusted a lot of processes that have failed them. You know, when you're counting calories, you're not looking at the quality of the calorie. You're not looking at how much sugar you're taking in. A lot of people, and I was so guilty of this when I did Weight Watchers, you know, years ago, I would eat the 100 calorie packs of Cheez-Its right. or, or right. you know, so all I was doing was craving junk food because I was giving myself just a tiny bit. And, um, can you, can you talk to that real quick? Because this is the one thing that I think is still maintaining. And, and a, somebody that I, I know well the other day threw this at me. Yeah, I've been counting my calories. Calorie counting is just worthless. It's an arbitrary number because what it takes for my body to burn you know, this said calorie versus your body is very different. And it is... Um, I, So you do have to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight, but there are so many other factors. Right. And the, like you said, the quality of the calorie, I mean, the cheese at calorie, it's not even just about, I mean, to, to that, you know, burning more than you take in is to, you know, to lose weight and things like that. But the bottom line is if you want to feel good and you want your body to operate well, 
all the nutrition. A Cheez-It does not have the nutrition that, you know, if you get 100 calories worth of Cheez-Its versus 100 calories of something with some nutrition, some good grass-fed beef from Stonington Farm, yeah. it's it's a totally different 100, how it affects your body and makes your body yes. perform. So this counting calories misses, the, and this is another 50 years we've wasted mm-hmm. on this idea of counting calories yep. and not talking about quality of calories. Yeah. I mean, when you eat 100 calories of Cheez-Its, you are spiking that glucose level. Yeah. Um, and then you have this massive rush of insulin. Insulin is a growth hormone. Insulin is considered the fat storing hormone, you know, and a lot of people are facing insulin resistance now, which means your body needs more and more of this fat storing hormone to do its job. So you're storing everything. So that hundred calories is being stored versus used. Um, And then you also are, like you said, you're getting zero nutrients. In fact, you are um, increasing inflammation in the body because of all I mean, it's just, it's, there's no cheese in a Cheez-It. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> I, know. I know. They've been all over uh, college football recently. And, you know, they are a tasty snack. That was I, my I, favorite. Oh, yeah. I've loved Cheez-Its in the day. But, you know, so stop the calorie counting. Uh, let's talk real quick. Uh, exercise. This is something I've talked about a lot. But if you have made a commitment this year to exercise, you're leaving a lot on the table. It's great for anybody to move. It doesn't matter if you're walking, whatever kind of eases you into it. But boy, it just almost breaks my heart when I walk into the gym and I see these people that day after day after day after day, they spend a, uh, an hour on the treadmill walking when they've got access to all kinds of resistant exercises in there. And I'm not telling them they need to go do, you know, clean and jerks with a weight belt on and grunt the whole way. I'm saying <laughs> get on a machine. It's good for your bones. It's good for your metabolism. Yes. It's good for your mental health. You need resistance training do not dedicate every single ounce of your uh, exercise time to this long steady state cardio stuff you're not going to get to your goals near as fast it's great that you're moving but boy you're leaving so much on the table and i see so many people doing this overdoing uh intense cardio can start to have a reverse effect yeah you'll see a lot of runners that really struggle with their physique um and they feel like crap all the time and this i am a former marathon runner i was a running addict i was pretty decent at it um but it can start to have negative returns because you are your body is stuck in fight or flight your body thinks that you are running for your life every single day so your cortisol levels go through the roof this plays this dance with insulin it can increase insulin resistance there's all these physiological things that happen Um, inflammation goes way up your sleep starts to suffer um so, uh, you know, women especially, I think, can be really scared of uh, lifting weights. And, and, you know, coming from someone who did CrossFit for years and now I'm shifting gears a little bit, um, it, it, I think they may see like this professional CrossFitter who has dedicated her life to building muscle. That is not the norm. Yeah. It is almost physiologically impossible for a woman to, quote unquote, bulk up. But what you will do if you lift weights is you will lean down um, and you will prolong your life, Lord willing, um, because the longer we stay mobile and we need muscle mass and strong tendons and ligaments to stay mobile. It's good for bone density. Yeah. And and strong bones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the number one killer of elderly people is a, a result of a fall. They fall, they go in the hospital, and then we've already talked about what happens when you end up in the hospital and they don't come out. And so, um, I mean, I think maintaining independence long term, and I'm going off on a, on a rabbit trail, but, um, weightlifting is about so much more than, you know, just broing out with your guys, you know, at the gym. And it's it's down to, um, you know, being at home and you you might go for a walk, but also throw in some just body weight squat. 
squats and some push-ups um, you know, by yourself. If you're not comfortable going to the gym yep. and g- the machines are so innocuous now. Women are always on these machines, so there's nothing to be embarrassed of. No. It's, it's set up for you, but you've got to do something to challenge your muscle. And yes. you, ne- you need to do it to a d- good degree. Um, just stop the steady. And, and what convinced me of this, I do some HIIT training, which is that high-intensity interval training cause mm-hmm. to get some cardio, even though I rarely even do that. Um, you do, you look at a, at a runner's body and you look at a sprinter's body and no offense to any runners out there, people who just generally enjoy it. That's what their life is. And God love them. That's absolutely yeah, fine. Absolutely. But, but it is, it's that long lean look. And I've lived with a runner before he was sick all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, so unless that's your absolute passion, if you're just looking to get into shape, it needs to be, you know, a small amount of some cardio to get your heart pumping, do all those things. You got to do some resistant training. Yeah. Yeah. Resistance training and walking, the combination of those, what walking does for your nervous system. In fact, that's something that I had on my list is um, we are, we need to be concerned about glucose levels because diabetes is is so prevalent. Um, So even walking for 10 minutes after a meal can reduce your overall glucose spike by up to 70% because your body is immediately putting that glucose to use and the muscles that it takes to walk. Um, So after lunch, after dinner, you know, get outside. If it's raining, walk around. I used to walk around the building when I worked at Bellhaven inside. (laughs) Um, Just move your body for 10 minutes. And and then, like you said, if, if the gym intimidates you, there are a million oh, YouTube so fitness yes. people that do body weight training that is sufficient. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my clients use a, a lady named Kimberly Joy, and they love her. She's a physical therapist. She has all of her stuff on YouTube, and she scales down to everyone's level. Um, you know, you can be super fit, or you can be a brand new beginner, or a seventy-five-year-old that's exercising for the first time. She's got you. So there are yeah. avenues, and you can just look it up. I want to just use dumbbells. I just want to use kettlebells. Mm-hmm. I just want to use body weights. Yeah. I just want or use a pull-up bar. I mean, good Lord, it is so easy to do now at home if you don't want to go to the gym. But anyway, acts the long-term steady-state cardio as your only path includes some uh, resistance training. Um, uh, let's see. What, what else you got? Um, so I'm, I'm really big on blood sugar regulation and because it affects the women that I work with yeah. so tremendously. Um, <clears throat> so It affects dudes, too. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. It does affect... Uh, it affects men and women. Um, I think men are more susceptible to diabetes after a certain age. Anyway, yes, men and women need to, to look out for this. So the order in which you eat your food can also have a massive impact on glucose spikes. So uh, there is a girl that I um, follow on Instagram, and she backs all of her stuff up with research. Um, she's called the glucose goddess. But she talks about dressing mm-hmm. your carbs, so never eat naked carbs. Um, but something really simple that you can do do when you have your plate say you have some vegetables uh, a steak and a sweet potato um, starting your vegetables first so veggies first then protein and fat then your carbohydrate and again this will um, decrease your glucose spike dramatically so you can still eat carbs once you get your body to a healthy place metabolically and you can still have carbs and not suffer from it if you know how to do it the right way. And I just thought that was super interesting because, you know, people say, well, if you take away my bread, then I'm not in. Well, 
if you're to a certain degree in your health where you need to take that away, I'm going to tell you, you need to take that away temporarily. Yeah. Uh, but think about this. When you go out to eat, the first thing they do is hand you bread. Yeah. Say, no, thanks. I'll take that for dessert or have dessert, but eat your vegetables and your protein first, then your carbohydrates. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, that is always funny to me. People, when you talk about this stuff, they go, well, I just, I'm sorry. I just can't do without mm-hmm. my bread. Here's the spoil. Everybody loves bread. Yeah. Everybody. But the thing is, is when I'm eating, you know, particularly high fat and, and high protein, when I'm doing these other things, it, it just disappears it's from my not cravings. It's big a deal. I yeah. still love a sourdough bread with a bunch of butter and maybe a little Parmesan cheese. It's yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. But I just don't even think about it. So this idea that you are special, that you just can't do without your bread. Mm-hmm. We all love bread. Yeah. We all love pasta. Um, and it's fine every now and then if you got a good quality pasta or something. I'm not saying you can never have these things, but this I, some people just go, well, I just can't because. Yeah. No, you're just like the rest of us. The rest of us have just figured out ways that we don't have to have them like you think you have to. And then you look at what it's costing you. You just spent... 30 minutes telling me how miserable your life is and how you feel like you are sitting on the sidelines watching your life go by and you feel terrible and then you're not willing to give up one thing you know it's just that mindset that we're not really taking an adequate look at what it's costing us to continue in our addictive behaviors right and it's that one thing that really only affects your life for about five minutes during a meal. Yeah. Of your entire day. Yes. Just that one five minutes you go, oh, crap, I don't have any pasta here, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. And then you're off to the rest of a great day where you feel good. It's yeah. just that five minutes. It's You're going to be okay. And and like you said, missing it does not last long when no. you are adequately fueling your body. Yep, yep. All right, we're talking to Allison Noe. A couple of things for New Year's. We'll do a rapid-fire list when we come back. Stick around. all over the world. This is Captain America calling I bailed you up when you were down on your knees So will it catch me now I'm falling All right, uh, we are back. This is Mike Madison Show. We're talking to Allison Noe about some. Uh, we've we've already decided we're going to do a part two next week on the tips for a new year. You've got a ton of them. This stuff is so easy to expound on and to talk more about. Mm-hmm. And to, you you want to try to explain a lot of these things, but it takes up a lot of time. And we've got like four minutes left. Um, one thing that I say is always critical to people that I think is uh, people are starting to come. Vitamin D levels in people. Um, now, vitamin D, you, you're the hormone girl there, but, um, you know, vitamin D is so important to people. It's such a protector against all kinds of things from cancer to viruses to things like that. And we have a chronic vitamin D deficiency because the medical establishment told us to run away from the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if you want to get your new year started out right, be healthier in all kind, myriad of ways, they need to increase their vitamin D, either through sunlight exposure or uh, proper supplementation with a good quality supplement. Yeah. I, and during the winter, I do recommend supplementing for most people, obviously talk to your your medical professional um but um another thing about supplementing vitamin d it's fat soluble so make sure that you are supplementing with fat um so don't just take it in the morning with your coffee it's not going to absorb as well would it absorb with my fat coffee if i've got butter and coconut oil in my coffee yeah is that enough yeah i would think so Yeah. yeah okay um all right what else you got um, just make sure you're reading labels and sorry, y'all are going to hate me for this because I'm about to take away 95% of the items in the grocery <laughs> store. Um, but, uh, these 
wretched oils that are put in everything. So look out for canola oil, palm oil, sunflower oil, and vegetable oil. You want to avoid those things like the plague. They are so inflammatory. And we can dive into that next time, why they're so inflammatory. It has to do with the way they're processed. Um, They will kill you slowly, but they will kill you. Yeah, and make you miserable along the way. That's the problem with nutrition stuff that's hard sell to people. They think that diet sodas, because they don't kill them tomorrow or next week or next year, Mm -hmm. then they must be okay. It's not true. This stuff accumulates over time, and it makes your quality of life bad as you wait for grim death. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the dose is definitely the poison. On the other hand, you have oils that are life-giving that support your brain and your health, um, like extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, grass-fed butter, MCT oil. Um, So there are literally oils that heal and oils that kill. So it's knowing the difference between those. And this is, I guess we'll just touch on this. We only got about a minute left. But so if you're eating the salads, if you're trying to eat better, Opt for salads, things to put on your salad. Don't put these crappy oils on top of a good salad. Right, yeah. So mainstream salad dressings, anything that comes in a bottle already made, you're going to want to stay away from, with the exception of Primal Kitchen. They do a great job. They only use avocado oil and clean ingredients. Otherwise, y'all, the internet has everything. You can Google really easy to make salad dressings and use those quality oils, and it's delicious. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a tiny bit of work, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, we'll, we'll hit on this real quick. Cold showers. We yeah. were talking about a little bit off air. There, you ought to look up the, uh, not you, but listeners should look up the benefits of cold showers. This is one, it's a mental hurdle too. Uh, I've just started undertaking it and I cuss like a sailor when I get in there, but there's a lot of benefits to good cold, cold shower therapy. Everybody that knows me knows I hate to be cold and I complain all the time when I'm cold. Uh, but I've started using cold showers. Start out with maybe 20 to 30 seconds. Try to build up to about two minutes. Um, I was telling you before we got started that I gave up caffeine temporarily. I'm just working on some different health parameters. And it was pretty miserable, but a cold shower has definitely helped. It, it, it will wake <laughs> Knock you the up. edge off. <laughs> it will definitely wake you up. Um, uh, real quick, uh, Allison Noe, tell us your, how you, people can email you real quick. Yeah, uh, it's wholestoryhealth at gmail.com. Um, that's whole w-h-o-l-e storyhealth at gmail.com and then i'm on instagram as allison health coach noe noe is n-o-o-e all right and she'll be back next week we'll see you then bye-bye no matter how hard you try you can't stop us now no matter how hard you try